Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Let's read. Shall we read? David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. He escaped because King Saul was chasing him down. He was jealous of David. David had slain Goliath and the king was jealous of David. And so he's trying to spear him and kill him. That's what says he escaped. Where did he escape to Adullam? When his brothers and his father's household heard of it, about it, they went down to meet him there. All those who were distressed, debt and discontented gathered around him and he became the commander. About 400 men were totally depressed, totally discarded, totally rejected, totally depressed, totally, totally depleted. They, they came and joined David who was no different to them. David is being hunted like an animal. We talked about that this morning and he finds his cave where he wants to find some emotional relief. And if I was David, I would have told the 400 of them, go and find your own cave, mate. This is my space. I don't need your problems on top of my problem. Don't you think it's fair that if you've got enough of your own problems, you don't need somebody else's problems? Is that unreasonable? It's more than reasonable. You 400 can go and find 400 other caves. This one is mine. I got here first. Finders keepers. Go and find your own hole where you can grovel in. Because I'm, I'm messed up in my own mind trying to work out what God's doing with me. I can't work out left from right. I'm exhausted, depleted, discouraged. I don't need you in my space. No, no, no. He became their leader. Their leader. It's, it's one thing to lead a company of people that are excited about what you want to do in life. But it's another thing to lead a company of people that are totally cactus. It's another thing to lead people somewhere where they don't want to go. You try leading people somewhere where they don't want to go. And so what happens is one book later, thank you, next slide, in 2 Samuel 23, we're in the same place, David, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of same place, Adullam, where a band of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. Now, I said this morning, where on earth did three mighty men from three, from a company of 30 warlords come from? They came from the same company of people in 1 Samuel 22. These 30 chief warlords, many of them, some of them slayed 100, 800 men on his own. Another one slayed 300 of the enemy on their own. These guys are champions of war. They came from the 400 depleted, distressed and discouraged men. And I asked the question this morning, which I had no time to answer. What on earth happened in the atmosphere of that cave to change the mindset of 400 people. Don't you want to know about that? And so I'm calling this, if you can put up the next slide, I'm calling this message today, I feel I've been carrying this thing in my spirit. I, 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 I want to be able to preach this to you because I feel it's something appropriate to your church. I'm wanting to preach a message here on atmosphere, the importance of atmosphere. Atmosphere. Remember I said this morning, God created 
spent five days creating the right atmosphere before Adam and Eve were, come, were created. God created the atmosphere. Remember that I talked about atmosphere does a few things? Atmosphere does what? Can, who can remember? Atmosphere, what does it do? Atmosphere. It protects. Good. You remember that? It provides breath. What else does it say? Regulates temperature. Atmosphere provides breath. That's why we have oxygen. May there be the breath of the Holy Spirit within us. Atmosphere protects because the earth has an atmosphere so that when foreign particles and space junk comes into it, into the re-entry period of, of the earth, it burns up before it touches the earth. And remember I said to you that we need to allow foreign particles, foreign matter, foreign forms of thinking and mindsets to burn up before they come in and touch our heart. Remember I said that? And then we talked about how it regulates. Atmosphere regulates. We have warm air on this planet because it regulates warmth and stops this planet from becoming like the moon and becoming a deep freeze. May we become warm-hearted, hospitable, loving, kind people. That is the sort of atmosphere we need to be carrying. We need to carry, we are people who carry an atmosphere of faith and confidence, an atmosphere of hope and belief, because there's too much negativity in this world as it is. There's too much darkness, too much sin, too much discouragement, too much unbelief, too many worries, too many concerns, too much anxiety. Everyone's seeing psychologists and and psychiatrists. We need the church of God to be so full of the light of the Holy Ghost that we carry an atmosphere that is distinctive. And that when people come in contact with us, they can sense and feel something different. My son, my son went to, to see a friend when he was in primary school. How old was my boy? Maybe eight. I did not know that he, my friend's son, his mother, is a witch. He comes back from his friend's place and he says to me, Dad, Matthew's mother is a witch. I said, all right. He said, Dad, she floated a toy mid-air without touching it, made it spin. He watched this. And it came to her and slipped into her pocket without her touching anything. This is my eight-year-old boy. I said, Michael, that is impressive. Well, it is. What's the point of fabricating anything else for him? I said, Michael, come here. Come here. So he comes. I said, sit down here, boy. Sit down here. So he sits down here. We're talking about an atmosphere now. He's just been overcome with an atmosphere that's not godly. So I need to hit it in the head quickly. Sit down there. So he sits. I'll go and get the atlas. I sit down here. I said, Michael, look at this man. I can't wait to tell you this. What she did was impressive, but watch this, man. Watch this, boy. I open up the atlas. Atlas. I said, Michael, have a look at this. Pluto, Venus, Earth, Mars, Mercury. My, get, get, get excited, boy. You've got to really work it, you know, with the kids. You're not going to have some philosophical, intellectual discussion with him. I said, listen, boy. I said, look at this. This is a Milky Way galaxy, son. 
Galaxies are full of millions of stars, and we're just in one of them. One of them. Millions and millions of planets in the galaxy, none of them colliding. Perfect orbit. Seven billion of people on this planet, Michael, have an assignment, and none of them have to collide. Every one of us is important. I said, the planets, Michael, what she did was impressive and spun that toy in midair. I said, Michael, get a look at this man. I said, God spins things too. I said, he calls them planets. He lifts them up and hangs them against a suspension against the black backdrop of the night sky and spins those suckers, man. And guess what? God has got a pocket too, boy. I said, he put them all in his pocket and it's called the universe. I said, now, Michael, let's get this right. What did she do? Ah, yeah, a small toy. You know what he said to me? He looked at me and said, that is really cool, Dad. Listen, listen, listen. If your God is this big and your problem is this big, you've got problems. You're in trouble. If your God is this big, your problem. You with me? How about some perspective? A godly faith-filled atmosphere has a glorious perspective because we are not the tail, we are the head. We're not down below, we're above. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ seated in heavenly places. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus and greater is he within us than he that is in the world. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself in the knowledge of God. And he's given us authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and power over all the enemy. And no principality or power of darkness is ever, ever, ever greater than the name of Jesus Christ that is above every other name in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. We have an authority. We are a people who understand victory. We recognize the atmosphere that it carries with it. Perspective. The mother and father having problem with their two sons. Twins. Twins living under the same roof, under the same parents, going to the same school, eating the same food with different mindsets. Go figure. You can be in the same church, have the same pastors, have the same leaders, go to the same school. You can have to go to the same, same workplace and have different mindsets. They went to see a psychologist. They said, we've got issues with one of our sons. What's the problem? Well, he's constantly negative. And the other son, he's the extreme. Constantly positive. He said, listen, do yourself, do yourself a little exercise. Psychologist said, go on, go on over there uh, where the uh, shops are and buy, buy the negative son a really nice gift, a costly one. Wrap it up in beautiful wrapping paper and bow and put it on his bed and look through the crack of the door and watch what he'll do. The negative son, go and get a whole box full of horse manure and put that on his bed. Well, they do that and they wait. The kids come from school. The negative boy goes in his school. He unwraps it and unwraps the thing, gets the bow off, pulls the thing out. There it is, a remote control car with one of those big aerials. He said, oh man, I hate the color blue. The wheels are too thick 
And what's this thing flinging around? Picked on one thing after the other. And they thought, oh, here we go again. They looked through the crack of the door. The optimistic son, the positive son. He, he shoved both his hands in the box with the horse done. And he's throwing it up in the air. And he's going, this is exciting. This is amazing. He throws his hands in that box of crap and throws it up again. It's spilling all over the carpet. He said, I can't wait. He said, this is amazing. I can't wait to see the pony in the backyard. (laughs) The young fella's got an atmosphere about him. His bedroom is full of amazing atmosphere. I want to know what sort of atmosphere do you carry? What sort of atmosphere carrier are you? What is it about you that's distinctive? Come on. What's going on? What is it about you? What's going on? 14-year-old Jess. I'm running the youth in Bendigo. I did a happen to do that night. I did a whole night on exposing the occult. She said, Pastor Zoran, I have to leave the meeting a bit earlier. I have a 20, I have, not a 20, I have a birthday party I've got to go to. No problem, Jess. Jess is a tiny girl, four foot 11 and going to heaven. She's a small lass. She's a bit timid, a bit quiet, softly spoken. I said, no problem, Jess. She hung around long enough to hear the content, to hear what, what I was talking about. I had no idea what was happening that night at the party. Not until the day after. She said, Pastor Zoran, I went to the party. And she speaks softly to me. Pastor Zoran, I went to the party and oh my word. I said, what? She said, I walked into the party and in the corner is my friends, are my friends, and they're having a seance. I don't know if you know what a seance is. Conjuring up evil spirits. She said, it felt the atmosphere felt so dark, I didn't know what to do. Softly spoken girl. I said, what did you do? She said, on the other side of the room in the corner is a piano. I thought, I wonder. I went to the piano and I started playing. I never sang. I just played softly but sung loudly inside. You can imagine that girl, eh? Lord, I come to you. That was what she was playing. Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed. On the inside, she's going, get them, God. Get them. Go get them. Shut this thing, dear. Let my heart be changed. Me, devil, I'm after you. I said, what happened? She said, all of a sudden, the crew in the corner yelled out and said, Jess, Jess, what the blankety blank, be blank, blank, blank are you doing? Because whatever you're doing has shut this whole thing down here because the atmosphere that she was carrying in the Holy Ghost was far greater than any spiritual work of darkness going on. What are we carrying? What's going on, man? What do you believe in God for? What do you got faith for? You believe in God for a miracle? 
believe in God that sets you free from stuff? You believe in for some dreams and visions that you know in the natural can't take place? What are you believing for? A lady in our church been trying to get pregnant for several years. One morning in worship, the atmosphere was so strong. It was an awkward morning because it was celebrating Mother's Day. She can't have kids. She's been through a few Mother's Day where everyone's standing, let's stand up, let's honour the mothers. She wants to be a mum, but can't. Something happened that morning. She said, I stood up and said, I am a mother and made a declaration three weeks later, pregnant, and gave birth to a beautiful baby. What do we believe in God for? We had another lady just like that in the church. Couldn't have children, came, we prayed for her and had a beautiful child. She went off and told her, all her friends, you've got to come to my church because you can get pregnant there. One of her friends came, Mary, prayed for her, Holy Ghost touched her, got pregnant, and we never saw her again in church. She just wanted the baby. I'm thinking, God is so good, hey? I think he's good. That's my thoughts on this. I think he's pretty good because he came, touched her, gave her a miracle. She's got a baby, even though she doesn't go on to serve him. Try work that theology out. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to bless her whether she believed in him or not. How's that work with your theology? I don't know, I'm messing with your brain, you know. Well, she doesn't deserve to be blessed. She's not a Christian. Who said? Who said? Jesus died for you as much as he did for the unbeliever. He loves us all. He's blessing people constantly every day, and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize it. Come on. What happened in the cave? (laughs) What happened in the cave? This is what happened in the cave. Three things create atmosphere. You want to write these three things down? You're not writing very many notes, I know, because it's not a teaching session. We'll do that all in the college course. Three things create atmosphere. Attitude, behavior, and confession. ABCs of atmosphere. Attitude, behavior, confession. Listen to me. Attitude is what creates behavior. Your attitude and your behavior determine what comes out of your mouth. Because out of the heart, out of the heart, what? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever the condition, the atmosphere of your heart is, is directly related to what comes out of your mouth. Your attitude and your behavior creates your confession, which creates collectively together the atmosphere that you're living in, in your life. In Mark chapter 5, verse 37 to 43, if you want to write it down, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, a nobleman. Because they've come to fetch Jesus, they said that the man's daughter is dying. Jesus never got there on time. Hey, does he not realize he's got to get there on time? She's dead now. As if that bothered the Son of God. 
He gets there and she's dead. And they say, don't trouble him anymore. Don't bother getting him to come because she's dead. God's never troubled. He wants to come. Jesus comes and what does he encounter? The Bible says that they're laughing and mocking him. He's come to raise her up. The Bible says that the the people were wailing, crying. They laughed at him to think that she would rise from the dead. They laughed at him. The Bible says this, he put them out. The original Greek is he compelled them and forced them out. There are some things and some voices and some mindsets in your life that you have got to handcuff and throw in the lockup, man. You with me? Throw that in the lockup and don't let it throw you in the lockup. And he says, go and get out of here. And so he gets them out. He keeps the mother and the father in the bedroom and he grabs a little girl and he says two words, get up. Get up. Tabitha, get up. Do you know what? In the Holy Ghost here, in the spirit, I feel an atmosphere in this room that Jesus wants some people here to get up and get going. Some people here are flattened by stuff in life. Shake that rubbish off and get up and get going. What happens in the cave is this. Ready? What happens in the cave is this. Psalm, David is in this cave that's depressive and shifts the atmosphere. One man shifts the atmosphere because Psalm 57, he pens his emotional state of mind and thinking. He pens what happens in the cave. Psalm 57, he shows you what happens. Shall we have a look at it? This is what happens. Oh, by the way, watch what happens here where one minute, one minute he's talking about God and the next minute, he's talking about his circumstances. You ever been there? One minute, he's focused on God. The next minute, he's focused on these depressive circumstances. I'll call it the elevator experience. I remember being in a situation like that for 12 months. And I prayed. I said, God, I, I, I'm, I feel discouraged. I feel very, very depleted in myself and exhausted. I said, I can't even work myself out at the moment. I had a dream that night. And I dreamt... And the dream helped me understand my state of mind. I dreamt that I was in an elevator. I pushed the 22nd floor. The elevator went at breakneck speed. The G-forces were that strong as it went up to the 22nd floor that it pinned me to the floor of the elevator. It went straight back down again and pinned me to the ceiling. And I kept doing, I kept pushing the 22nd floor up, down, up, down, 22nd floor, up, down. I woke up, my wife said, have you got any idea what that dream means? I said, that dream perfectly articulates my emotional and mental state. She said, how so? I said, I understood it as soon as I woke up. I'm so confused about life that I'm trying to put two and two together and I'm getting nowhere. That's why I'm pushing the 22nd floor. One pastor said, you see, you still don't understand the message of the dream. I said, how so? He said, what are you doing in the elevator trying to work it out to begin with? Get out of the elevator, lift your hands up and trust God. I said, good point, pastor. And he's having an elevator experience. This is what happens in in the cave. Let's have the first one. He starts off, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful for my soul trusts you. That's what you want to do when you're in a cave. Trust him. And in the shadow of your wings, I'll take refuge until these calamities have passed by. 
I will cry out to God most high, to the God who performs all things for me. He's got a revelation that God's going to perform all things for him. And the God who performs all things for me, he shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. He shall send forth his mercy and his truth. He's in the deepest quagmire and he's got faith and confidence that God will work on his behalf. Amazing. There's 400 negative voices in the same atmosphere and that's his internal atmosphere. Your internal atmosphere is far superior than your external circumstances. Wait there, watch what happens next. Next one, please. My soul lies among lions. I lie among the... Watch me here, watch me. He's not talking about animals. He's not talking about animals. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. What's happening in the cave? My soul lies among lions. I lie among the sons of men. He's talking about the 400 negative people. He said, these people who are set on fire, not the fire of the Holy Ghost, the fire of discouragement and negativity. In what way does he articulate that? Whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue sharp as a sword. My God, the atmosphere in this cave, David. David, can you hear him? Father, the atmosphere in this this cave is terrible. It's terrible, God. Their words are like spears. Their tongue cutting like a sword. There's nothing here at all to build anybody up and to lift a soul up. It's so gangrene negative that I lie among men who are like lions whose, whose, whose mouths are set on fire. They're so filled with pus and negativity that it's, 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 it's a disease. I know. That's where he is. That's their atmosphere. But what about him? Here we go. What about him? Next one, thanks. What about David? Be exalted, O God. You sing this here, yeah? That, that, you know where that song was penned? In that environment. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net. Watch, watch, watch. They, who? The people have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. In other words, he's heavy hearted. They have dug a pit before me. Notice they and they. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Don't you, love, don't you love that? They've dug a pit, spread a net, but they have fallen into it. They have fallen into it. Not me, man. Not me. I'm not falling in no pit. I'm not falling in no net. I know I can't make sense left from right here. I know that, that, that the circumstances seem to be getting better of me. I know that all hell is raging at me. I know that I know life's negative. I know it's terrible at the moment. And they're full of it. They're full of it. But they, they, they have fallen into the trap. They've fallen into the pit, but no record of David in there. None. Next one. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will give. Watch me. Watch me. Watch how many times. Watch how many times I will shows up there. Ready? Ready? I will sing and give praise. Look how many times the word awake and awaken and I will is there. Awaken my glory. Awake. What do you want to awake? Why, why do you want to? You only want to awake something if it's dormant, dead and sleepy. Don't you? 
When faith is dormant and you're tested and all hell rages at you and you can't make sense of what's going on, you can get a bit sleepy in your faith. You can get a bit dormant in your confidence. Agree? So he's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not going, I'm not going into an endless coma of negativity here. I'm not going to slip into a coma. I refuse. You know what the paramedics do, don't you? You know what they're doing when, when you're in a bad state. Hey, hey, stay awake, man. Hey, 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 if you fall asleep, we'll lose you. We'll lose you. If you fall asleep in negativity, you fall asleep in discouragement. You fall asleep in your hopelessness. You fall asleep. You fall asleep. We'll lose you. We'll stay awake, man. That's what he's doing up there. I will. I will sing. I will awaken. I will awaken the lute, the, 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 the lute and the harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the people. I will sing to you among the nations. I will, I will be exalted, O God. I don't care if the sun is not coming up. I'm going to make the sun come up. I don't care if my soul doesn't want to sing. I'm going to tell it to sing. I don't care if I don't feel like it. I'm going to tell myself to feel like it. I don't care if there's no band or drummer or bass player or guitar player or keyboard player. I'm going to sing. I don't even care if I can't sing. I'm going to sing. I'm going to wake things up. I'm going to stir the atmosphere in this cave of defeatism and negativity and gangreneness. My God, you are exalted almost high. So man, preacher, you're a bit wound up. Yeah, I'm absolutely excited about what people you and I carry. We can light, we can light this region up, man. You with me? We can light it up. Let's have the band going. We can light it up. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You sang that song, didn't you, Dylan? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Hey. You're not a peasant. You're not a negative peasant. You are a child of God. Did you forget that? You're more than an overcomer. You live like this, you'll affect your household, parents. You'll infect and affect your kids. I was telling Pastor John when my child, my son was old enough and he got his first email address. He sent me something. I didn't, I didn't know what he called his email address. He sent me his email. I thought, oh, look at that. He called his email address, will do great things. Where did he get that from? The guy who talked to him about God who spins planets. My daughter comes back from university. She's in her fourth year for school teaching. She's about to graduate. Problem. She fails two subjects. Problem. Can't graduate. Problem. Has to repeat another whole year. She comes home sad, down. Mum and dad try and encourage her as we do our kids. It doesn't work. I tried. She goes into her cave. It's called her bedroom. She walked down into her bedroom crying. She was negative. She said, Dad, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be a teacher. 
Maybe that's not my destiny. Maybe it's not my assignment. You question yourself. You ever questioned yourself? Have you ever questioned yourself? Then you'll understand her. Maybe I picked the wrong profession. Maybe I need to do something else. I can't believe this, Dad. I said, you stay encouraged, girl. She goes to the bedroom, her cave, wallows in her misery. Three hours pass. She comes out of her bedroom, coming out of the hallway into the living room. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, she's got a laser gaze on her. She's got something man in her eyes. I said, are you all right? She said, she looked at me. She said, Dad, I made up my mind. God wants me to be a teacher. And I don't care if it takes me five, six or seven years. I am going to finish this. I said, woohoo. And she graduated. She's a teacher. She's given birth to our second grandchild. That following morning, after she'd gone to bed, she came to the kitchen. She said, I had an unusual dream last night. What did you dream? She said, I dreamt that I pulled up a whole heap of carpet weed. I don't know if you know what carpet weed here is. Low, shallow level root system weed. The roots are no deeper than that. It spreads like carpet rapid fire. You can rip the whole lot up if you just find the point of origin. Up she comes up like a carpet. She said, I dreamt that I ripped a whole heap of carpet weed and then I vomited. I said, that is a wonderful dream. She said, how can vomiting be a good dream? I said, it's magnificent. I said, do you not understand that? I said, what did you do last night? You came home negative, discouraged. For how long? For three hours. Three hours of negativity, three hours, was enough to develop a root system albeit shallow, that you came out of your bedroom, looked your father in the eye, and you said, I'm not having it. What did you do? You ripped it up at a point of origin and ripped the whole thing up. I said, sweetheart, you could have parked your life there and that root system could have got deeper. She said, but what about the vomit? I said, pulling up the carpet weed is an external symbol of what you did. Your vomit is in the internal symbol because vomit is toxic and toxins have no right to live in the innermost part of your being. Only rivers of living water should be living out of the innermost part of the being and flowing out of you. She changed her atmosphere because attitude determines behaviour and behaviour affects what comes out of your mouth. I'm going to pray for people and I'll finish with this. He wrote a book called The Horse Whisperer. Not the same as the movie. But in the book, Paul Scanlon tells a story. True story. He goes to school, the young fella, Monty, goes to school, young fella, primary school. The teacher says to the students, students, today we're going to work on an assignment. But what I first need you to do is go home, get your pen and paper out and work on your biggest dream. So the kids go to school working on their biggest dream. 
You know the kids. One kid goes, my biggest dream is I'm going to be a bus driver. Another kid says, I'm going to be a policeman. Another kid says, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be this. Monty didn't just write his dream. He was the only one who drew it. He was so taken by it. Monty came from a low socioeconomic background, not from wealthy parents. When he would go to school, he would walk along the road and look upon these large ranch houses with many, many acres and horses and stud farms. So he would, he would go get his piece of paper and he would draw this big piece of land. In the middle was a big house. And in his way, he drew stables and horses and said, one day I'm going to own this and have this and children from schools are going to come and visit me and I'm going to open my place up for kids to come. The children come the following day and hand their assignments to the teacher. A few days transpire so the teacher has the ability to mark them and then the time comes to hand the papers back to the kids. They're really excited, hey? Some kids got a B, some kids got a C, some kids got an A. Monty is the only paper in class. F for failure. Well, the poor kid was sad all class. The bell rang, kids went their way, but the teacher noticed that he was depressed all class. He said, Monty, just stay behind. When the class was empty, the boy came up to the teacher and looked down on the ground. Teacher said, Monty, you've been sad all class. I think I know what it is. It's it's the paper. It's the mark, isn't it? He said, yes. Teacher said to him, Monty, Monty, you come from a family, a background. He said, you're never going to have this. You believe this is true. You're never going to have this. Monty, it's far better for someone to tell you now than to live your whole life wishing for something to happen that's never going to happen. He said, Monty, I'll tell you what. You go home, you work on another dream, and you bring it back to me. So he goes home, he works on another dream, and crunches it up and puts it in the bed. In his bedroom, he works on another one, crunches it up, and puts it in the bin. Well, he keeps crunching them up and putting them in the bin and went to bed crying. The following day, he goes back to his teacher because the atmosphere over his life now is not what it was when he first drew the dream. He allowed the atmosphere of his teacher's life to affect his. And so he went back to the teacher and he handed the paper in. The teacher looks at the paper and says, Monty, what is this? This is the same paper. With the F on top, it's the same paper. This is a young boy. He says, teacher, I made up my mind last night. I made up my mind that you can keep your F and I'm going to keep my dream. You can keep your F. And I'm going to keep my dream. 
Devil, you can keep my failures. You can keep my mistakes. You can keep my disappointments. You can keep my discouragements. You can keep my flaws and faults. But I'm going to hold on to God and hold on to all that he's called me to be and hold on to the gifts and talents and hold on to the promise that I have. But you can keep your failures. You can keep your unbelief. You can keep your doubt. I'm holding on to my dream. Is there a shout of praise here in this place for God here today with all that he's... Is there someone that can give him a shout of praise? Ephesians 3.20 says something profound. All that you can ask, think, or imagine, God is able to do more. You know that passage? Hey, did you hear what I just said as we finish? All that you could ask, think, or imagine, the Bible says, all that you can imagine, God's able to do above and beyond that for you. There was something in his paper that he didn't include. He became... World-renowned for breaking horses in without causing pain to them. He had a oneness of spirit with the horses that he was breaking in. He was so good at it that what was not on the paper was the Queen of England from Buckingham Palace invited him so that he could attend to the royal horses. That was not on the paper because God is able to do above and beyond, and exceedingly beyond all that you could think or imagine, man. And guess what? That day came. You know, the big ranch, the house in the middle, the horses, the stables, it didn't happen for an eight or nine-year-old. It didn't happen in his teenage years. It didn't happen in his 20s. But as he was getting older and older, that dream that he had penned so long ago became a reality. And guess what? He opened up his ranch, true to his word, for school excursions to come. Guess which teacher came? Guess which teacher came? The teacher came in disbelief. Had a moment by himself with Monty and said, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for not believing in you. He said, all my life, you want to hear what he said? I have been a dream stealer. But from here on, I'm going to do nothing but believe and build people's dreams. In this entire region here, there are fathers who have dreams. There are mothers who have dreams. There are people probably who are 50 and 60 years of age who were told when they were younger, You'll be nothing and no one. What my wife is doing now is amazing, but she came from a troubled, dysfunctional home and her principal said to her, her principal in high school said to her, Kate, you are a snake in the grass and you'll do nothing in life. Thank God she found Christ at 14 years of age and shook that nonsense off. All over this great region, there are people who God has blessed with dreams with great vision. They're probably in their own cave wallowing. Guess who they need to come in contact with? Hey, you listening? Guess who they need to come in? Guess who this world out here needs to come in contact with? They need to come in contact with people like you and me that carry an atmosphere that's far more potent and far more lit up and far more faith-filled than what the, the world that they're in. There are more than 400 men 
in this region, the 400 were with David. There are more than 400 men in this region who need the life and light of Christ and the, your atmosphere to collide with their world. Much more. More of them. I was in disbelief flying here and reading in the paper that I don't think of what, 2,400 men committing suicide. I think three out of four suicide are men. May God raise up some men here to raise, to, to, to raise up. May God birth something here among the men. May there be a dynamic men's ministry here. May there be something lit here, man. Men. It's unforgivable that some dear soul who has not lived its whole life has extinguished its candle before time. Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on, let's stand. What's the words to that song? What's the, could you put the words up on that, on, that, on that song? We need to be free people. Church, come on, shake it off, man. Shake it off. This is a breakthrough night. What do you think? Shake it off. Hand the F back. Hand the, shake off the failures. Shake off the discouragement. Listen, shake off the small-mindedness. My wife and I made a decision a long time ago. We've got to ban small thinking in this house. Ban it. Ban small thinking in your life. Put a big X on it. You know how they ban things. And if it's in your life, give it an eviction notice. Tell her you've been hanging around my life too long. You, you unwelcome guest, it's time for you to get going. Tell her to pack its bags and get out of your life. Give it an eviction notice. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Come on, God wants to breathe upon your dreams. Breathe upon your ministry. Who knows what ministries, who knows what's hanging in people's hearts? Who knows what you people are going to do here? Who knows what's about to bust out in your life here? Who knows what difference you're about to make? Who knows how Jesus is about to shine his light through you? Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.